right, guys, we have a very special guest for you today. Yeah, it's in Laura. the background. Oh, <laughs> oh, I thought it was you because you <laughs> came back from your little hiatus last week. I would what quite right call it. <laughs> I can't even talk One right day now. Hiatus. One day hiatus. It was like a, a couple hours hiatus. Well, you'll um, find out why no, after little... the intro music. I know that that was funny. I was like, oh, I listened to it, of course, like a good co-host. I listened to the whole thing. Um, Man, you make and... it. <laughs> huh? Nothing, nothing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do your thing. <laughs> um, but I was like, I was a good co-host. It was really, really good. No, I, I was so sad to miss that interview. Um, but again, life happens. But we also have a little guests in the background. Um, you might hear them a little bit. We've got Duncan running around. Um, Ken's dog so uh, don't mind him but today we are talking about a crisis um, it has been a crisis specifically that... the Cuban oh, missile was... no sorry go ahead wow you were decades off if that's the case <laughs> you're in <laughs> the wrong era <laughs> I was just trying to think of another crisis um, there's a lot of crisis you can talk about you know Chernobyl crisis yeah but that doesn't have crisis in the name Hey, Duncan, there he is. <laughs> but we are going to be talking about the opioid crisis and kind of where we're at right now and where the PT stands and kind of like our opinions on it. Um, again, everything, disclaimer, just up front, this is all our opinions. This is just based off of what we felt with being working in the fields. Uh, again, opinions, opinions. <laughs> Do you think I made yes, that opinion. part clear? <laughs> I think you did, but we'll say it again okay. later. Just, you know, just to be on the safe side. Just in case. But, um, yeah, so let's go ahead and dive in and start talking about it. Let's go. You're listening to the PT Assistance Podcast with your hosts, Ken. And Laura. Thanks for joining for another exciting episode. Dude, you guys missed it. I totally, completely forgot there's like a countdown when we're recording right now because uh, me and Ken are recording off-site from each other. And I started talking to myself. It was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> you got into it during the countdown. Episode. Yeah, I was like, I was ready for it. I was ready to start chit-chatting. You know, I missed last week, um, which I listened to that episode and it was amazing. If you guys haven't listened to it yet, make sure you check it out. Ken uh, definitely stepped up for the two of us. Um, one of us, aka me, was busy with food poisoning. I was about and... to say one of us. Excuse me. <laughs> me was a uh, not. Laura, have you never seen well. How I Met Your Mother? I love How I. We're met getting completely mother. off topic here, but I'm kind of curious. Have you ever? I love when how it's I food poisoning, you tell people you just have the sniffles. Sniffles. Okay. Well, I, it's already over. <laughs> you, don't so just, we're <laughs> you don't tell people that. No, it's just the sniffles. I don't care. It's, <laughs> it's food poisoning. Um, but Ken was gracious enough to hold down the forts um, while I was unable to make that interview. But it was amazing. And if you guys have not listened to it yet, make sure to check it out. But let's go ahead and get started on today's episode, unless you had anything to add. Uh, no, I was just going to say that Duncan was already barking in a little bit, yeah. so oh, yeah, I'll we try to keep his, his barking to a minimum, to the best of my ability. <laughs> I apologize I if a, a couple kind of slipped through. He's a little, he's a, he's like a surprise little guest. You never right. see him coming. But, All right, so let's actually today. go. 
<laughs> we're talking about the opioid crisis. I don't know why that word's really hard for me to say, by the way. Yeah, you kind of say it interestingly. Weird. Yeah. It's, it's like pneumonia for the longest time. I couldn't say that correctly. And opioids is another word that I struggle with. So opioid. Don't mind. Opioid, opioids, tomato, tomato, you know. But so I our question is. a little combination is, of both. Yeah. Of just the opioids and kind of working with patients that, well, some are just there just to kind of seek drugs. Like, oh, I have to do this because. We uh, don't get them unless. Yeah. I have to do 12 sessions of PT before I can get my, my painkillers. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing is, is like, okay, are we seeing, you know, we really get to see kind of the, the start of them cracking down on handing them out and kind of relying on physical therapy more, which is great, I believe, um, versus just handing out painkillers and being like, oh, your knee hurts. Here you go. Take coding. Um, no, instead, now it's try, you know, physical therapy first, which I think is amazing for our field because there's so many things that we can help with and crack down with very little painkillers. Um, and, you know, we can help in the long run prevent what's actually hurting or not prevent, but, you know, decrease or fix or depending on what it is, you know, get it working the best. <laughs> so I was looking it up as far as like where we are in the opioid crisis and definitely take it with a grain of salt because it's from, you know, the news and they want to fluff up pieces sometimes and statistics mm -hmm. get a little hairy. But um, according to the article that I was reading from NPR, they said that 2022 was the highest um, kind of like the peak of the opioid crisis. So let me see if I can go back to it real quick because they had actually an, so a number coming down at this point. But we, um, <laughs> so they said a staggering 110,000 people died in a 12-month period, which was That's a so new crazy. record for the opioid crisis. But kind of like how Laura said, like they probably are kind of transitioning from, okay, we're not going to give you the drugs. We're going to try alternative methods first before we get to that point. But kind of to feed off of that, according to the article, is even if that part is true, the reason why the number is still that high is because they're getting it from the streets. Mm -hmm. So they're using fentanyl as the drug that's easily accessible and for pain. And if people can't get it from the docks, are they getting it in the streets? And then the doses are harder to monitor. And I mean, you're, well, and it can just... be laced too with other stuff. And um, so it could even be more dangerous and dangerous and, um, incorrectly mixed too um so there's like a lot of things that play into part of getting any type of drugs off of the streets um even if you know them from a friend or anything like that the there's so many risks that are involved they might not be what exactly they thought they were getting um but it does at beg the question of okay is did we almost drive people to the streets a little bit more. And that's just something like personally I've thought about because working with patients in the past who's done a lot of like pain management and they're really going through PT just to get their next prescription filled because it's a requirement for them to go through it. Um, you know, you can kind of tell certain patients or they'll tell you, Oh, I'm not addicted, but you know, 
only this kind will work. Only this amount will work. And I must have it in this time, like time for the frame. And it's like, I get like knowing your body and everything like that. But there's a certain part where you can just tell that they're definitely there for the pain medication. And they don't feel like, you know, PT is going to help at all, but they're going to show up just because of the fact that they kind of have to. to. And I listened to a lot of those patients and a lot of those patients had complaints right off the bat of like, okay, well, there's these new rules and regulations into getting their pain medication. And they went from having these really high doses and getting it quite frequently to now being very constricted and going times sometimes even without them, which again, I'm all for constricted. I'm not a big fan of opioids. I've taken them um, after surgery, um, but I do not like to take them past like two to three days. Um, I wing myself off of them very quickly because I don't like to be on them. Um, I'm very conscious of this because I know that they are highly addictive and I I just don't want to put myself in that situation. So I do not like to take any type of pain medication um, unless I really need to. I do find a benefit out of them with that being said. Um, again, I've taken them with surgery. I definitely, after surgery, I, it's, you need them. You do. Um, definitely with some painful surgeries, it helps you to fall asleep and be able to sleep and your body heals the most when it sleeps. So you can get through that pain. But there is a fine line I felt like of regulating them so harshly in the beginning and cutting these people off who have been addicted for so long versus actually gradually dropping them down and phasing them out and almost kind of going through a drug rehab program in a way with them. But instead, a lot of these patients who are in pain, some some of them are legit in pain, we just kind of cut them off. And it makes me wonder if we drove them to the streets a little bit more. Because at that point, you are so desperate. Definitely if you are actually in pain and you've been addicted for so long, you know, you you do get a little desperate. And with seeing the peak kind of start to happen at this point, I'm, I'm just wondering if this peak that we're seeing is a result a little bit of us not properly decreasing some of the patients over time. Does that make sense? Yeah, you're just on a roll, so I was just kind of letting you go. I know. <laughs> I, I had my little soapbox right there for a second. You did. I was just like, I'm going to let you do your thing because <laughs> you seem like you're on a you're on a roll, so I'm going to just let it happen. Uh, I've, I've yeah, thought about this like, a lot. I've had a couple patients, too, where um, kind of like you said with the whole regulation thing is that they make it – they have to go jump through so many different hoops in order to get their pain medication. Mm-hmm. So we've had patients that's been on these medications and all of a sudden it's like, oh, now there's this new referral they have to get, has to go through insurance, they have to go through this, and all of a sudden they can't get them. And so there's a long would, wait too, at least out here in Nevada. Because, so now it's like, you're right, like are we kind of giving them no other choice to go towards like the drug route or kind of getting it in the streets? The other thing is um, I think of like gabapentin, mm-hmm. which with gabapentin – um, if you don't know anybody who's taking it, like you build yourself up to your dosage. So if your dosage per day is three, then you take one for like a week. Then you take two for a week. Then you get up to three for like however long they put you on it. And then you have to wean yourself back off of it. Yeah. But it's not as controlled as opioids are. So now when it comes to opioids and all these strong painkillers, it's like, oh, nope, we have this hoop. We have that hoop. 
and now you're cut off for that month until we get to you again. And now they're coming to us with more pain. They can't sleep. Um, it's hard to get through their exercise program because sometimes they take the pills before they do their treatment so they can get through what we're about to do with them. And now that they mm-hmm. don't have access to that, they can't take it anymore. They're in more pain and it's just like they're more easily irritable, I want to say. No, and yeah, true. some some are there. They do want to get better. They do take it for the recommended dose when they have to. Um, but kind of like you, I have several patients too that don't want to be on it. They try to avoid it. And they're like, I take Tylenol. I, they're like, I have a bottle at home, but like, unless I'm in severe pain, I will be fine with just ibuprofen and Tylenol. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely tough because like I think about it and I'm like, I know that with pain medication, it almost can heighten sometimes your pain. It can actually, when you've been taking it for so long, it can heighten your pain and they do need to decrease that dosage to almost decrease that pain. Um, I don't know 100% into it again because I'm not an MD and that kind of stuff. But um, the subject does kind of fascinate me a little bit. And so it, it definitely plays, you know, with your the chemicals within your brain and how your brain processes pain and how it can, um, uh, how much it can tolerate too. So there, you definitely, like being on these long-term pain medications, I want to make it very clear in my opinion, I don't think is great at all. Um, if there's a way around it, I think we should do it. And I think having strict stricter regulations on opioids are needed. I just wonder if we didn't do it fair justice for those who have been on the opioids for that long. Um, Now, I will say I feel like I've seen less people come in addicted to any type of pain medication, honestly, even low, low level opioids, um, which is great. Um, I, I don't see that as often. I definitely hear doctors being a lot more strict on how many they give out. Um, for example, my surgeon wouldn't give out more than the week, um, that he prescribed me in the beginning, um, because of the fact that he doesn't, he goes, I have to prove way too much. Like there's a lot of hoops I have to go through and I'm liable for putting you on more for than week. He goes, if you need more, I I send you out to the pain doctor. Um, Cause it was funny cause I was asking him what I can take and he thought I was asking for more. And I said, no, can I just take Tylenol or Advil? Which one am I allowed to take? Um, and he's like, Oh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't want more. Like, whoa, 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 I'm Laura, not taking that anyway. <laughs> I was like, chill. And I, but that's the thing is I do think um, a lot of people go in asking for more after surgery. And I will say too, like, I don't know if we teach patients properly to be on top of their pain management right after the surgery um because i can't tell you sometimes it's important like they they need it Mm -hmm. and i remember like for like inpatient too um when you did your treatments for inpatient when you do especially wound care like you have to coordinate with the nurses and the doctors like hey when are you going to stop by for their medication at what time do you give it to them because performing wound care um, for the people that do it like it's not pleasant Especially with like I personally had it done. It's not fun. So like you have to, like they are still needed and you just have to coordinate, yeah. right? But like you said, like you just have to do a lot of education and kind of like their post-care. So it's like, hey, we did this for this amount of time. We're going to go to outpatient. We're going to go to pain management and just communicate with them and try to come up with a game plan because uh, I'm not sure if it's just 
people just want to be on them or it is how it, like, as addicting as they say. I've never been on opioids, so I can't really speak on that. I think there's definitely, there's for sure an addicting aspect. And as a person who has been on them for multiple surgeries, um, I definitely see how they are needed for post-op. Um, the thing is, though, is we tell patients that, you know, here's these pain pills. Take them whenever you're in pain. But we forget to tell them that that pain's going to lessen and we need to lower that dosage. Like, you're going to, no matter what, feel pain at some point in time. We don't want that severe pain anymore. And that's what those pain pills are for, is for that severe pain. But, you know, it's going to be unpleasant at times, and that's okay. But there's other things we can do instead. Um, and I don't think so we educate you, that enough. I was going to say, like, how would you handle a patient who, like, from the get-go, the first time you see them, they tell you, like, I'm only here for the drugs. Like, they don't want to do exercises. They don't want to do manual. Or I mean, I guess, I guess they'll do the modalities, the manual, and then they want to leave because they're in so much pain and that they're only there just to check a box document the crap out of that would you let like the pt know and then have them have a conversation oh definitely we'd be having a conversation me and the pt would already have a conversation um i definitely would have a conversation with the patient of how like possibly this could help alleviate some of that pain that they're having and prevent that pain from increasing and all the good benefits that physical therapy has about it um and i can let them know too of just kind of how like it's frustrating but you know it's something that uh, this is how it goes and this is the process and just give it a good try and you never know. But those people who come in are going to be really hard to change their mindset in general. And so that's one of the I things agree. like first to do, I would do no matter what, is I'd have a conversation with my PT right off the bat. Me and her would be talking, we'd be discussing. Or and him. then Or him, yeah. Sorry, I have currently <laughs> her. Um and so we'd be discussing it and having that conversation. And then the other thing would be, okay, what's the next steps in a way? Um, how are we going to move forward? How do, you wanna, <laughs> how do you want to uh, go about this, treating this patient? Um, I would document that patient, you know, if they really refuse to do exercise, refuse to do exercises. Um I don't think I'd quite put drug seeking in there. It it <laughs> it would depend that just on doesn't the look maybe. good on anything, right? It does. It doesn't really look good. You don't truly can't per se because they're going to deny it too at the same time. So like it's kind of one of those things where it's like you have to be very wise with your words too, um, because you don't want you want them to be able to try to get the proper treatment without you know also insurance denying it too. Um, so there is a fine line, you know, it is still business, uh, but you don't want to lie either. No, I know I it sounds sketchy. <laughs> well, I know it's because look, we had a patient before, this was a while ago. I think I was still tech at the time, actually. Um, but he was Spanish speaking, so I was involved in his treatment because I had to do a lot of the translating. And he would just tell me, he's like, I don't even want to be here. But he was just checking off a box. Mm-hmm. So at that point, like... They still did as much as they could with him, and he still did what we told him to do. But like you said, like some people's minds are just hard to change. And they'll go through all the motions. They're going to say they're 10 out of 10 pain the entire time. 
And once their treatment's over, then we're never going to see them again because they probably got their drugs. That or they'll come back in the next 24-week period when they run out. Um, or 24 days period when they run out. It it definitely is like it can end up being in a cycle. Um, the best to do is my, my favorite is when you have those type of patients and they do start to actually improve or start to get stronger. And They'll they want to deny, deny to everything. <laughs> yeah, and like, you're like, you dude, like, you walked in with like, pain? And it's like, mm. oh yeah, well, like you, you can visually see them walking better. Oh my gosh, like, you can oh, see them you're, doing you're so much great. better. And they're like, oh no, I'm still a ten out of ten. I'm like, yeah, the first time like, we saw oh you God. compared to how we're seeing you now, like you look like you're moving so much better. Yeah, and so those those are the tough ones for sure. Um, and so it's hard as a PTA to kind of like. Want to also, I'll tell you this, like I've had incidents with those type of patients that they, they, they grind your teeth a little bit because you're like, I'm spending this time with you and yet you don't want to. And I could be giving more quality time to a patient who does want it. And those moments are tough. Um, I'm sure at some point, everybody's probably going to come across that in your life when you're like, why am I working with you? (laughs) Like, you know what? I don't want to be here as much as you don't want to be here because you're you. I feel like I'm wasting my time, <laughs> and I can be giving quality time to someone else. Take a deep breath in those moments. <laughs> Remember that in the long run, you never know. This could be a turning point for that patient, and they might see something that they didn't see before. It might take them some more time. You never know. Just all I can recommend is take a deep breath. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can definitely see what you mean. I don't yeah. think we're, I mean, where I'm at now, I don't think I'm busy enough to really get that part. But no, I, just from my experience being like in a higher volume clinic, no, I agree. Like there are people that don't really want to be there. Or they have to be there. And it's just kind of, you kind of just go through it and reinforce them, be positive, tell them that they're mm-hmm. doing better and talk to them, communicate and kind of make it enjoyable for them to come in. But again, like you can't change everybody's mind. You no. can't. Um, I don't know how to say it, but you can't make them want to be there in a way. Yeah. Like you no. just work with what you got, be yourself and you never know, maybe they'll change their mind. And just give the best treatment you can. Yeah. That's a big thing too, is give them, give everybody no matter what, whether they're there for the drugs to check off a box or if they're there to actually get better, give them the best treatment that you possibly can because you never know how you treat might change someone's opinion about physical therapy or about themselves in general too. Um, A lot of times we don't realize sometimes how much of a big difference we can make by just even being there and listening for someone. Cause there's been many times too, I've had patients who are like, you know, I just wanted something, someone to hear me out of my pain. Um, I just wanted to feel like I was understood and that I was really there. And it's like, I, I get it. And sometimes we kind of forget that part because, you know, we're so used to seeing this a lot and we're so used to, um, going through kind of like our routine and this is just like another shoulder and this is just another, this, and you know, this is what we do next. Um, and so I think the same thing with those who, who do come in seeking drugs. Sometimes it's easy to put them in the same box of they're just, they're going to write it off. And, you know, they, we, they already literally said that they're here for the drugs. They're just going to write this off, you know? Um, yeah, I'll do my normal treatment and everything like that. But, you know, you never know what could happen. 
Um, you could be that one person who could change a difference and they could legit be on a path of mending. Um, so, you know, always, always be positive. Take a deep breath if you do get frustrated and know you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, over time, I definitely feel like we are on a downfall of seeing the opioids. Um, I am curious, though, to see if certain things replace opioids, like gabapentin. Um, I feel like it's become a big new one I've heard handed out a lot. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of goes. But I definitely feel like this was a great boost for doctors getting involved with PTA more or PTs more. Just PT. no, I, agree. I feel like uh, so the, there's another article that I was looking at as far as the numbers of people wanting to go to PT, whether it's just direct access or direct or ref- doctor referral. Like you'll have like the numbers are going up compared to like the mm-hmm. last six, 10 years where people are more willing to give PT a try and maybe that is directly in part helping the opioid crisis and all that. But I mean, at the same time, like you still have those issues of how accessible is it for people to get in the streets yeah, and how many like lives is that impacting? But kind of like you were saying earlier, just kind of keep going into work, give your best treatment to everybody you see and try to make their day. It's kind of like what we got into this field. Yep, exactly. And, you know, no matter what, uh, the person's going to be the person and you can only do what you can do anyways. So, um, but I think in the long run, we're seeing a positive trend, which is great. Um, a lot more patients coming in with less, uh, higher drug use, I would say that I've seen, um, I've seen a decline in it. Uh, at least on my end with normal, not normal doctors, I was about to say normal doctors. And I was like, that's not right. Um, what am I thinking of? Why am I blanking? Pain management? No, not pain management. Um, well with surgeons, Surgeons. for example, orthopedic (laughs) surgeons or just any specialty, I'm seeing that decrease, but primary, there we go. Primary care doctors. I also see it decrease. Those patients coming in aren't normal doctors. I couldn't think like the ones <laughs> yeah, you primaries, know. No, I, I, I see what you mean. No, I, I see why you said that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it's definitely interesting. And I think educating the population also is going to be something that we could work on in general of, um, you know, something we can prep our patients on a little bit better in the PT realm if they're going to have surgery. You know, that's something we can prep them on. Um, I always tell my patients, you know, really stay on top of their pain management. Like the doctor said, the first, you know, 24 to four, uh, 32 hours. No, that's not right. Hold on. 24. No, 30, 32 hours is right. That's three days. No, 36 Holy hours. Holy no. I'm trying to do math. It's this been a long night. day. Yeah. I know. Why would you do this to yourself? I don't know, but for the first three days and then like my recommendation is of course to wing off as a pain and again, consult their doctor. This is all my personal opinion, but to always 
talk to their doctor about it and kind of, if anything, build out a plan to make sure that they can kind of come off those medications. And I think yeah, that's something go. that. Huh? Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was like, and that's something I feel like we can properly kind of educate our patients on a little bit, at least if we see them before going in uh, to surgery and that kind of and stuff. And communicate so. with your PTs too. Mm-hmm. I was like, we're about to have disclaimers all over this. Yeah, there's disclaimers <laughs> all over this one. You're going to be like, in my opinion, my opinion. In my opinion. So I wanna, I wanna, this is all my know. opinion, guys. <laughs> we'll have disclaimers at the beginning, the middle, the end. <laughs> my opinion. Uh, I tell patients that uh, all the time. That's a whole other episode we're probably going to do at one point. True. But yeah, so I think that no, kind of wraps I, up today's episode, unless you had anything else. Nope. Just staring at my dog because he's being crazy. Yeah, what else is new? That's true. <laughs> uh, but no, but, I think right. that was pretty well said. Thanks. So. I'll get Hopefully off my soapbox now. The trend continues and Yeah, we I have definitely less think we're in the right area. And a lot of education. A lot of people seek alternative methods. Doctors, surgeons, primaries, pain management. Everybody kind of working collaboratively to lower the use of opioids. And PT is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And be there for your patients and find alternative methods that they might find, like heat, ice. Like, those are two great things. They can do those at home, too. Educate them on that. Um, A lot of patients actually, sometimes I forget how much the population, general population, sometimes lack knowledge in anything physical therapy related. Because I can't tell you how many patients come up to me and they're like, you know, they're coming in for chronic spasms and they're like can i put heat on my neck and i'm like yes please do <laughs> it's great anything besides thinking that pills are the first place to go yeah so um just continue to educate your patients on how they can manage the pain ways they can decrease it at home um you know even just modifying little things at home to decrease some of the pain so that they're not having to take as much Um, Those are all great ways and ways we can continue to help the crisis and help decrease the the crisis because ultimately we're not the ones assigning any of the pain medications um, and we're not going to be the ones dictating any of the pain medication, how they have it, right? So what we can do is we can give alternatives to prevent some of that pain spiking as high where they need it. So um, keep that in mind. But other than that, I think that kind of wraps up for today's episode. Don't forget to follow us on uh, Instagram and also on YouTube. And then we've also got our Twitter. If you'd like to follow us there, that gives you the updates of when the new um, episodes are posted. And I think that is it. No, that is it. Yeah. That's all I got. All right guys we will talk to you next time all right take care bye the information in this video or podcast is not intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice diagnosis or treatment All content, including text, graphics, images, and information contained in this video or podcast is for general information purposes only and does not replace your professors or a consultation from your own doctor or healthcare professional.